You're listening to the Ella and Leland Show, brought to you by Gopher Recording Studio, www.gopherrecordingstudio.com. We're making dreams a reality. Well, good day to you, Ella. How are you good doing? Good day. Yes, good I'm day. doing good. Good day to you, Ella. Uh, so we missed last week. Yes. So we're going to have to do this week, and hopefully it's going to be a fun one. Yeah. I think it's going to be... We're just going to do some spooky stories. Yes. Okay? So I went online, and I printed some out. Yes. Okay? So don't copyright us. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know who did oh, these. Oh, yes. It's, it says right on your thing. Oh, At the well, top. I, I'm not going to say that number. Yeah. Okay, so the first one we have, we're going to jump right into this, Ella. Yes. What do you think? Yes. We're going to jump right into this, and the first story I have is called Phantom Alarms. Okay? So, when I was in high school, I had a lot of these experiences. At my house, my dad lived in, at the time, it was really old, built in the early 1800s. There were pretty... There were plenty of times I'd be sitting in the living room and distinctly hear the cabinets opening opening and closing in the kitchen. Oh, I got shells. It was just me and my dad that lived in the house. And you could clearly see when his bedroom door was shut and he was sleeping, but still hear it. Oh, that sounds good. Normally, my dad worked 7 to 3, but occasionally worked a p.m. or overnight shift. One night, he was working until 11. I was 17 at the time, around 8 or so. I'm sitting in my room playing Borderlands, and I think I hear footsteps coming from the living room, which was adjacent to my bedroom. And remember, she's she's home alone. Oh, oh. Oh, yeah. So which was adjacent to my bedroom. And, assume my dad's home early, I go back to playing Borderlands. Yes. I keep hearing the steps, so I pause the game and listen. And the footsteps are just slowly pacing back and forth between the living room and the kitchen in a steady rhythm. I laid in bed, scared, uh-oh, uh-oh, and actually counted the steps. Every time it took 15 paces to the living room and 15 paces back to the kitchen. Needless to say, I did not sleep that night. I had another situation at my mom's house about two years prior to this. Out of nowhere, my alarm clock would go off at midnight every night. I'm going to try to turn the page because it's stuck together. Oh, I'm just doing the sound effects here. Right. I think I'm missing a page. Okay. We're trying to find the page. And it's really good, too. Yeah. It leaves off with I. Oh, oh, no. This one. So, read the last sentence. I assumed it was busted and got rid of it. Fast forward two years, my mom gets another brand new alarm clock for my room. Also, when I was 17, suddenly the alarm goes off at midnight. I thought nothing of it. Turned it off. It happened again the next night. And then my sister pointed out the old one that I had did did it. So I checked and made sure no alarms were set. Double checked at 11.56. Sure enough, four minutes later, my alarm goes off. I am so freaked out, I threw it out. The next night was my dad's night to have me. 
I had a buddy of mine over, and my dad was working that night. He left for work around 2 a.m., and my friend had brought over an iPod dock to listen to music on. I didn't have the clock set or anything, and my friend knew nothing of the last couple nights, so I knew he was just messing with me. He wasn't just messing with me. So about two minutes after my dad leaves, we hear an alarm clock coming from my room. I went in, and you know how if you just plug in a clock without setting it, the numbers just blink on and off? Well, it was doing that. As soon as I picked it up, the clock set itself to 12 a.m. and then just turned off by itself. So, yeah, that por- paranormal stuff, it says I'm not religious, but I am. Yeah. And all times, I'm 100% convinced that it happens. Yeah. As soon as you picked up that alarm clock I in know. the story, the microphone fell on it. It made my soul so I, so I'm So I'm pretty much going to gonna tell you guys what I think you know yeah I think this is a case like uh, there was a friends episode yeah where uh, this happens to me too yeah where there's a smoke alarm yeah and once the batteries go low it uh, will not stop yeah and you can even take the batteries out and it still goes I don't know why yeah but or, uh, um, our wiring in our house is really really weird like if you turn on like, if you turn on the washer or dryer, all the lights go off and then on. And, like, if you... Well, that's just because there's there's a yeah. lot of electrical current. And if you, like, plug in something, the lights will flicker and stuff. Yeah. You know what was really weird? Our microwave wasn't working and our kitchen light wasn't working. It was, like, really dim. We needed some new light bulbs. So... We just our, got bad wiring. <laughs> yeah. Our microwave wasn't working. So we were trying to figure out if, if, if it was the outlet or the microwave. So we plugged in a blow dryer... So turn it on and see if it was if the uh, plug-in was working. Okay. We turned it on and as soon as we t- plugged it in and turned it on, our kitchen light went fully bright. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So Ella, we got time now. Why don't you tell us your story? Okay, ours is she heard it through the wall. This haunted story comes from Reddit user user Ghostbusters BM. So. Okay. Yeah. Also, whenever stuff. That happened in my dad's story. I just pretend it was the birds that we have. The birds. Yeah, I just pretend like it was just the birds making some ruckus. Now go back to bed. You, you got pretty scared when this mic fell, though. You were like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's a ghost. There's a ghost. Well, I'm, I'm going to run out of the studio right now. Yes. And if you would like to do, like, if there's steps or something like okay. I did. Okay, I'll do, do it. I'll do it. Okay. Four years ago, I lived in a very large farmhouse that was converted into two apartments. The house was known as the old boys' home. It was used to house boys with behavioral issues, but was closed. Anyway, I was living with my boyfriend and a three-year-old daughter at the time. You're not old enough to date. (laughs) Um, My bedroom had a large fireplace that had been boarded up and painted over. I decided to push my bed up against it one day while I was rearranging things. It was like a headboard. That night, around 1 a.m., I had heard a small voice saying, Mommy, Mom, Mommy, Mom. I had sat up in bed but didn't see anything, so I reached over my boyfriend trying to grab down to grab my daughter and put her in our bed. I kept feeling around as I was still hearing the voice, but I couldn't feel her. My boyfriend woke up and 
turned around and asking me, What the heck are you doing? I explained that Amelia was trying to get in our bed and I was reaching for her. There was nobody there. My daughter was sound asleep in her room. The next night came, around 1 a.m. again. My dog had started to whimper, so my boyfriend got up to take him outside. You know that feeling in bed when someone lies down next to you? Where the bed pushes in and there's a warmth in your back? I felt that, so I assumed my boyfriend had come back to bed. I rolled over, my boyfriend wasn't in the bed, and I felt the bed release pressure. Whatever was laying next to me has gotten up in that second. I moved my bed the next day, to the other side of the room, and I never had an incident in the two years I remained in that house. So, it's a nice short one. Oh, so they never did say what it was. Uh-uh. That's kind of spooky. Yeah, but also, I forgot, when you said phantom alarms, because that was what yours was called, right. I accidentally did this. Oh, and you hit, yeah, that's Yeah, fine. right as you had said it, and it sounded like an alarm going oh, off. Oh, it was, it was yeah, yeah. So that, uh, I'm spooked out. But you know what? It huh. is actually the perfect temperature in the studio it right is, now. Finally. Isn't it is, finally. It's 72 degrees, yes. It's like just kind of a, well, it's kind of a uh, bring off and off May yeah. Day here. So I'm going to see, uh, you want to look through these if there's any There's other ones? one I read through that I don't know who it came from because it was like... I don't know. Not I, very... I can't make any... Yeah. Why don't you tell your story that okay. you had? I don't know. What would you call it? Um, I can't remember, but the guy who is it's about actually wrote a book about it. Okay. So that's... And then I saw a YouTuber who had read the book. da 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 So, there was this man named Joe. He was like an Ivy League nurse. And he wanted to work at a mental... At a mental institution. Right? Uh, what's a mental installation? Installation institution. Okay. <laughs> so he had moved there with his wife, girlfriend. I'm not sure what they were at the time. I like titers. Okay. <laughs> so, and he wanted to go into a state-run hospital, which um, he said that some of them, like, are overbooked, not well-funded. Mm-hmm. And... His friend, he was like an Ivy League nurse, so like Harvard, best of the best. Oh, so he wanted to work at this place. Yes, okay, yes. okay. Yes. And his friend is like, you know, I could get you into that amazing hospital since your education's so good. And he's like, no, I have to work at a state-run hospital. Uh-huh. And the reasoning with this is because when he was just a child, his name was Parker, by the way, his dad found... Parker's mother, um, like, right by, or, like, around 1 a.m. in the kitchen with a steak knife, and she was carving out her arm, and she said, and her, Parker's father's like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? She's like, he put maggots in my ear, I could hear them screaming, the only way to get rid of them is with the blood, and he immediately took her to the mental institution. And it was a state run one, so he was, and when Parker was around 10, he's like, wait, where's my mom? I I really want to see my mom, like, what happened to her? And um, he said, like, okay, you're old enough to know what happened, 
So he took her to the, or he took Parker to the um, state-run hospital, uh-huh. and his, his father didn't go with him. He just sent Parker into the room. Right. And there he saw his mom in the corner, and there was, like, dried blood everywhere, and it smelled awful in there. Ew. And there were, like, stains everywhere. And he was terrified because this did not look like his mom. Like, not right. in the slightest bit. Right. So he was, like, up against the wall, and he was terrified since he was only 10, and he had never been into a mental, right. mental in- institution. And so she had enough... Uh, she was sane enough to know that her son was scared and this was her son. Uh-huh. And she said, Parker, Parker. And she decided to calm him down. She would um, super fastly crawl towards him, singing him a lullaby, trying to hold him in her arms. Yeah, because it's not creepy at all. Yeah, so she was singing a lullaby as she was crawling towards him, and he is just so terrified, he just starts screaming and running out of there, and he goes to his dad, and um, that's why he wanted to work at a state-run hospital, just so he, because he knew that most of them, like, were like that. And he really wanted to help his mom, but before he could, she ended up passing away. Oh. So... Here, Ella, I'll let him know. Blow your nose. Yeah, I'm... Because Ella's like, I, I can tell you have a little cold. Yeah. Like, abba dabba dabba. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. So is there more to the story? Yes, there's a lot more. Okay, go ahead. So he gets to the state-run hospital, and he knows that... Um, at every mental, men, I keep saying mental. <laughs> at every mental institution, there's always this one person yeah. who is like nobody can, nobody can diagnose him, nobody can or hear her, nobody can like help them. Right. And he wanted to be that person to help that person. Mm-hmm. So the first few weeks, he knew the guy, and his name was Joe. Like they, he didn't know his last name or anything. But it was, like, his first week. He didn't want to, like, um, go that far. And this was a pretty good hospital. And a few weeks pass, and he really wants to help Joe. So he talks to the head nurse that had been there for, like, a long, long time, like 30, 50 years. Sure. And her name was Nessie. And, like, she had this thing where if she was, like, Good super... second here, Ella. You're listening to the Ella and Leland Show. Brought to you by Gopher Recording Studio, www.gophercordingstudio.com, where we're making dreams a reality. All right, we came up on that uh, commercial break there. Yeah. Go ahead and let us know. So, as I was saying, Nessie was the head nurse, and she had this thing where, like, if she was super stressed, working super hard, super mad and annoyed, and her ponytail would be super tight... But if she was, like, super calm, super happy, her ponytail would be really loose. hmm And it was lunch break, and her ponytail was, like, really loose. So Joe walked up to her and said, Hey, I was wondering if you could help me out. I would like to be Joe's nurse or doctor. And she looks him straight in the eyes, and she says, Do you know what I go through after I am the one who gives Joe his medicine? Do you know how much it takes out of me? Every time I'm giving him his medicine, I just want to jump out, jump off of the roof. Yeah. And she says, like, no, no, you will not. 
and he decides not to bring it up much, but he goes to look for a, a file. Uh-huh. So he goes into the file room, and he finds Joe. And every single nurse or doctor he's had, except for two of them, ended up, like, um, harming themselves and dying, uh-huh. like, suicide uh-huh. in some way. So, like, it was, like, six nurses or doctors, and only two of them um, were still alive. Yeah. And working there. So, he was, like, pretty shocked. And he said that, or in his, in Joe's file, there wasn't very much. Like, it was probably, like, not, like, two, three papers. Yeah. And it said that he had been there since he was six. And each time a doctor tried to prescribe him, it would change. And it would be something different. So. Oh, what what problems he had? Yeah. Diagnosed. Yeah. Diagnosed, yeah. Every time it would change as soon as they were about to diagnose him. So he really, really wanted to try and help Joe. And eventually he comes up with this plan and... Um, uh, he comes up with this plan so he goes into the regiment right videotape room okay and he tries to find like a recording of Joe but he can't so he goes home and the next time or the next morning he goes into work and there were like ambulances police cars and he goes up to one of the nurses and says what happened and they said Nessie and all of a sudden, he saw the police carrying a body bag. Yeah. And they said that she had jumped off of the roof. She had jumped off yes. the roof? But they were trying to figure out if she was pushed off or if she jumped off. Well, I'd jump off. I mean, she was named after Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> <laughs> but she was also Joe's nurse. Yeah. And they needed somebody to take over. So yep. he goes into the, like, boss. Uh-huh. And the boss's name was Rosie. Or, like, Rose, Rosie. Rosie, Rosie. Rose. I'm going to see Rosie. <laughs> and she says, you think you're such a good doctor because you came out of a good college education and you think you are the best person in the world. You think you know it all. And she says, I was like you. I wanted to help Joe so bad. And after it, I tried to perform suicide by taking all these pills. But then somebody helped me, and I was actually inserted into this mental mental institution. I keep saying it, mental, into this mental Mental. institution. Yes. And I'm the boss now. And she says... She's the boss, and she's tried to commit suicide? Yes. After being Joe's doctor. Oh. And she says, that was the short file. I that was the I saw you going through the short file for Joe's life. Mm-hmm. That was only a file I used to make sure that people just get scared after reading it and don't want to help him. Oh, so she placed that there just to just spook people out. So that they don't help him. I see. And she says... I'll let you read his file, and if you would still like to become his doctor, I will let you. But if you can't handle it, then you 
will not be his doctor. And he says, no, 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 I won't, like, try to commit suicide or anything. And if I think I might, then I'm just going to stop. I'm, I'm just going to stop then. So he looks at the file that she gives him. And when he was six years old, he just got a brand new room. He painted it. He got to choose everything. But he, when he went to bed, he saw this terrifying monster. And it was like a whole bunch of bugs, a million eyes, and it would be on this one wall. And he said it was super scary. So his parents took him there to that same hospital. And they convinced him that it was just in his head and it was imaginary. So he goes home and he's like, oh my gosh, mom, I can't wait to tell you what I learned. It is just in my head. And I can defeat it if I just know it's just in my head. So he was like super excited. But the next morning, they took him into that place right away because he woke up with scratches on his arm. The, everything was bloody. And there were just like so many scratches on his arm and so many scratches everywhere and wounds. And they said, we don't know what happened. He went to bed and then we woke up and he was just like this and he was crying and he was terrified. And they said, and what you know what part um, Joe said? What? He said, well, the the bug wanted to see me and I it was so scary I didn't want to look at it so I put my hands over my eyes like I don't know you try to explain this like this like it was covering his eyes yeah but the bug wanted to look into my eyes so it used its antennas to hold my eyes open and then it got really mad at me because it wouldn't let me look at I wouldn't let it look into my eyes so he ended up staying there he was very like he, the next day, he was a completely different person. Like, like he was. All not right, Ella, we're going to take another short Three, break. Two, You're listening to the Ella and Leland Show, sponsored by Gopher Recording Studio. www.gopherrecordingstudio.com. We made all your recording needs. Okay, Ella. So, he he was just a completely different person. He was not sane at all. Right. And he would like often be very rude to nurses nurses and like if he would know what would make somebody angry he would do it mm -hmm. and so then the boss Rosie Rose said I have some videotapes for you and he also read the file for what why they were like that right and this is when Joe was a kid yet right yes Joe was only six and so so what what was the, what was the Ivy League doctor's name again? When are we gonna get Parker. back to him, Parker? Um. So he was reading this, and one of the tapes was, or no, he, the nurses tried to keep him as far away from people as possible, but then tried to put him with a, um, like another child. He was like eight, ten at this point, okay. and he had stayed there since he was six. And they put him with a six-year-old boy who was sexually assaulted by his father multiple times. So that's why he was in there. Not good. Not good. Not good. So that's why he was in there. And um, so they were roommates now, and they wanted to see how Joe could handle it. Mm -hmm. And Joe only knew what had happened to this kid and why he was in there. And then that night, they heard screams. Just awful, awful screams. Ah! 
Yeah. Coming from the... Coming from the little boy. Oh. And... Ah! Ah! Yeah. And Parker had known... Or not Parker. I mean, Joe had known what his dad had done. So he did the exact same thing his dad had done to that little boy. The exact same thing. So then the little boy was, like, terrified. They didn't try to put him with a roommate. And then they tried to put him with a roommate who was 17 years old. And they, like put them in leather straps when they went to bed so that they wouldn't, like, have anything. Uh-huh. And then it turns out that through the night, that 17-year-old boy had eaten through his leather straps and jumped out the window, and he died. I don't know. What le- was that, two, second level, third level? Yeah, probably. He was up there ways. Yeah. No. So... The his doctor at the time, Joe's doctor at the time, was like, "Okay, I need to figure out what had happened," and this was like way back, not way back when, but like, um, fifty years, not fifty, thirty years from then. So okay. the stuff wasn't very good, like the recording things. I remember thirty years ago. Not thirty years ago now, but like. Oh, from okay, then. okay. So it was like '90s stuff. So the recording stuff wasn't exactly. It was like nice. Well, no. thirty years ago for no. me was in the night. Oh, eighteen nineties. No. Nineteen. This was. This was like a few. This was like early two thousands. And then, so thirty years before that. Nineteen seventies. Yeah, like yeah. I was oh, born in seventy eight. Okay. So <laughs> like, what I'm trying to get out is the recording stuff wasn't very. It good. wasn't as good as it is yeah. today. Yeah. So they had a camera set up in the corner, and they had Joe strapped into his leather straps, and the doctor was going to sleep in there with him. And the doctor, at like 3 a.m., the doctor ran out of there and did not want to be his doctor anymore. He said, the whispers would not stop. He was, I don't know, and he was like freaking out. Mm-hmm. But there was nothing on the tape. Yeah. So um, they just left him in there for a while. And then came all the doctors that had died after being his doctor. So now we get to Parker. And he's becoming... Parker is becoming Joe's doctor. And Joe's like 40, like 46-ish. 46-ish, okay. So he'd been there for like 40 years. Okay. And he goes into Joe's room and he finds that Joe is completely... Seems completely sane. And, like, he sits down, has a normal conversation, and he says, Oh, boy, what did you do this time that you're my doctor? He said, and Parker said, What? And Joe said, Every time Rose wants to fire somebody, she puts them and puts them with me first so that they want to quit. And <clears throat> he said, Oh. And he said, No, I chose to be your doctor. And he said, Oh. Well, all of a sudden... Something hits the window. He's like, oh, no. And Joe says this. Oh, no, a bird hit the wi- window. He looks out the window. And he's like, oh, I hope the bird's okay. Which usually people that were diagnosed with what Joe was about to be diagnosed with until it kept changing would not have empathy for a bird that had just fallen off the window. Right. And Parker was surprised by this because he thought Joe was completely sane. And he said that, Okay, what happened on the night that that six-year-old boy was in your room? And he said, well, the boy 
said the only way he could fall asleep is if I would like do this and this. And I didn't know I was 10 years old. I had been in here since I was six. I didn't know anything. And then he said, well, what happened with the 17 year old? And he says, I, I honestly don't know. I was sleeping and then all of a sudden I heard these weird noises and then bang, he jumps out of the window. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, what was your childhood like? And he said, well, I don't know. I feel like my parents kind of ignored me. No. I feel like they're just keeping me in here so that they don't have to pay attention to me. And the hospital's just keeping me in here just so that they can get their money. So I'm sorry to pause on you, but is it, are we, can we're we? We're getting somewhere. Okay, we're getting some because we didn't get yes. much time left. So, and then eventually he talks about how he had a childhood cat and he did great with it. He fed it. It was a stray cat, and his dad was allergic to cats. He said, but then my dad kicked that cat, and it never came back. So he went to talk with Rosie. Parker did. And not Rosie. I meant Rose. And Rose said, well, yeah, I gave him a cat, and he was doing great with it But then for a whole week. But then on the last day, I found it in his room, and it was dead. It was mutilated. And on the wall... He had written in his blood, in the cat's blood, Rosie Posey, which was the um, what Rose had been insulted with as a child. And Joe figured this weird, so after a while, he wanted Joe to escape. So he was planning an escape. But right before he could do it, um, Rose stepped in, and he was. She was like, "What are you doing?" And she. And then, so Joe decided to visit Parker's house because he thought maybe he could find some clues. And he went to his house, and Joe's mom was there. And Parker said, hey, can I visit his childhood room? And his mom's like, yeah, but I don't really want to be in there. It just brings back a lot of bad memories. And so Joe or Parker was in there alone, and he thought, oh, this is such a nice room. And he saw some stain on the carpet blood stain so he peeled up some on the carpet and it was a like trace of blood flowing all the way to the wall that he had seen the monster on and he asked the mom if he could um open up the wall to see if there was anything in there and they opened it up and there was a tiny skeleton that belonged to joe's and it was joe's skeleton from when he was a child so whoever was in that mental institution was not joe so they started screaming, calling the police. And then he's like, no, I cannot release Joe, whoever this guy is that's in the mental institution. I cannot release him into the public. And he goes to church, or to the, he goes back to work, and he sees Joe looking at him with this crooked smile. And he is freaked out. And he, for some reason, he wants to check on his wife. And his wife was fine, so he goes back to work, and Joe had escaped. Mm. So... Then, when, a few years later, like, they, they, yeah. So, a few years later, um, Joe's, Parker's wife was assaulted. And mm-hmm. they, he thought it was Joe. And his wife was never the same. Mm-hmm. And that's how the story ends. That's, they moved, like, way across the country. Okay. They moved across the country from that's, that. That's pretty creepy, Ella. Yeah. That's pretty creepy. There, there was a lot. I almost think that this, this is a movie somewhere. 
Maybe. Maybe. But that was a true true story. story. We want to tell you guys, I I know we've gone through some spooky stories. We want to tell you we love you. Yes. Jesus Christ loves you more than anything. Uh, We'll be talking to you next time. Yes. So I think this was episode 16. We'll be 17. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the L.N. Leland Show. Brought to you by Gopher Recording Studio. www.gopherrecordingstudio.com. Making dreams a reality.